Welcome to Intersect Where Church Meets Culture. I'm Josh Desch, the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined as always by my lovingly radioactive wife, Betsy. <laughs> radioactive. Have, have you ever heard yourself described that way? No, but listen, you're radioactive. That's not generally a it's good thing. It's not, is it? but you radiate love and kindness and warmth. And when our audience hears, so it's a love bomb. It's a love bomb. You are a nuclear love bomb. And when, <laughs> and when our audience hears about the title of this book, they're going to say, "Oh yeah, Josh, I see why you use that title." Oh, that is funny. Uh, because Betsy, we are here to talk about a book, are we not? Give we our are. audience the name of the book. All right, this is a great book, y'all. It's called Atomic Habits: Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results. Subtitle is An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by the author James Clear. Uh, this is a New York Times bestseller. Okay. So folks, our goal today, we are going to do a book review of this book, Atomic Habits. And of course, that's why I use the word radioactive relating mm-hmm. to atomic. And Betsy, we're going to do something a little different today. I'm going to interview you yes. because you've read this book and I haven't. Exactly. I I think you're going to want to, and though, you've after told we talk me, about it. And you've told me that it's a fabulous book. It is. And you've gotten a lot out of it. So mm-hmm. let's just jump right into this book, Atomic Habits. First of all, this is, this is a trending book. This is a book people are talking about. And I will remind our audience, one of the things that we aim to do on Intersect is to take uh, phenomena that are happening in the culture, things things that are trending, things that are people are talking about, books that people are reading, movies people are watching, And then evaluate those according to a Christian perspective, Christian worldview. So this is one of those books, right? Mm -hmm. People are talking about. Right. That's How did you come across this book? Well, um, I believe that it was from our friend and fellow member here at NEPC, Matt Anderson. I believe that he read this book. And maybe I had heard some um, stuff about it here or there. I was already familiar with the title maybe, but I know that he read it. And so um, I think he liked it, and I was interested to read it myself. Okay, sort of out there in the ether. Yeah, Like exactly. a lot of things, right? And right, then, and then and you then... hear a friend read it, and you're like, oh, maybe I okay. should read that. Okay, yeah. so you picked it up, you, you got the book, you've read the book. All right, so just some preliminaries before you get into it here. I mean, all of us know habits are important. Mm-hmm. Um, so this book is about forming habits. What makes it special? What, what makes this book unique? Why are people reading this book? Okay, so the title, Atomic Habits, it really doesn't have to do with anything nuclear. That's good. That's Um, good. (laughs) What he means by the word atomic is small. Mm. Because atom, atoms are the, aren't they the smallest building blocks of matter? You got it. I should know that because, y'all, I was a biology major in college, so that's Made up of nuclei and uh, those sort of things. Yes. Okay, yep. Yes, so the atom. So anyway, he's going off atomic habits, meaning small habits. So here's kind of the whole thing um, the book is about. Changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. Mm. So... Um, a habit, he, he he defines the word habit as a routine or behavior that is performed regularly and in many cases automatically. So his point, James Clear is making the point that sometimes, you know, we think of these goals that we have, this huge endeavor, we want to change our lives in this way. And so often we're focused on a huge goal that seems very far away. Yep. 
So he's saying you will much more effectively reach your goals if you focus on the process by which you reach your goals rather than the end goal itself. I like that. And hmm. and incrementally, just by tiny steps, incrementally improving your process yields big results over time. Yeah. So the opening story of this book, I think, is really um, illustrative of the point. So he starts talking about the British cycling team. So apparently... The British cycling team had been in pretty bad shape for years. Um, it says, since 1908, British riders had won just a single gold medal at the Olympic Games. And in the Tour de France, um, in 110 years, no British cyclist had ever won the event. So the British cycling team was not um, in good shape. So all of a sudden, I guess they got a coach who decided that he was going to think about breaking down everything, absolutely everything that goes into riding a bike and improve all of it by 1%. And then you're going to get a significant increase when you put it all together. So so the team of coaches started making these little adjustments. They redesigned the bike seats. They um, redesigned the grips on the bike. They worked with the tires. They tested all the fabrics in the wind. They um, just did all these different things. And they were just looking for the for ways that you could get these little gains that would, over time, would compound and make the team more effective. So what's really cool is they, in 2008, at the Olympic Games in Beijing, uh, the team won an astounding 60% of the gold medals available. So this guy's technique of the just little Tiny changes yep. that bring improvement yep. um, really worked. So anyway, that's kind of the gist of the book. That's a cool story. Uh, this We're recording this episode uh, probably a couple months before it's going to come out. But when we're recording it right now, the Olympic Games are going on. And I just saw a headline, I believe it was yesterday, that a British guy had won the mountain biking gold. So there you go. And there, you, there you go. They're, they're, they're keeping it going there. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, so little habits... Uh, compounded over time, mm-hmm. tiny things that can uh, add up to make a big difference. What what other things? Talk about what else you got out of this book. How it's impacted you. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how do we identify those tiny changes? Mm-hmm. How do we start to build them in our lives? Things of that nature. So he, so James Clear talks about it from two different angles: how to create a good habit and how to break a bad habit. Hmm. Okay, so he breaks it down into four laws of behavior change. Hmm. Um, so we'll we'll attack it from the good uh, the good angle first of how to create a good habit. The first law is make it obvious. Second law, make it attractive. Third law, make it easy. And the fourth law is make it satisfying. Hmm. So as you think about creating good habits, let's say you want to be someone who um, starts exercising right now, you're a couch potato and you know, you need to get healthy by going to the gym and lifting weights or doing cardio, whatever it is. Um, that can seem like a very difficult thing that's out of reach. Mm -hmm. So in the first law, you make it obvious. Okay. So you may, um, you want to design your environment. So you make the cues of good habits obvious and visible. So maybe what that means is you put your sneakers out the night before. You mm. put out your workout clothes. You put it with your water bottle. Yeah. You want to make it obvious that that's your goal yep. for the next day yep. is to yep. do some kind of workout. Yep. I know for me, 
one of the reasons that that's helpful is I'm probably already th- looking for any tiny little excuse exactly. I would have to not want to work out. Like, right. well, I don't know where my shoes are. Or I got to get to work. I don't have my clothes, you know, my workout clothes with me. That's right. Okay. Yep. That sort of thing. Yes. So um, the second law is make it attractive. So one thing he, he spends time talking about is create a motivation ritual. Do something hmm. you enjoy immediately before a difficult habit. Hmm. Um, so you want to find ways. You, some, for some things, I think you would have to be creative, but find ways to make that good habit attractive, maybe pairing it with something else or um, whatever it may be. The third one I think we can all relate to, make it easy. So he talks about friction in our lives. He talks about how we usually want to do the thing that's the easiest, right? Like the, the most comfortable. When you come home after work, do you really want to work out or do you want to sit on the couch? You know, you probably want to sit on the couch because that's the that's the least amount of friction. Sure. That's the easiest thing. <laughs> Unless your couch is really uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah, and who has an? Un- I mean, I guess you could have an uncomfortable couch. Yeah. But so, so he talks about reducing the friction in your good choices. Make it easier. So, like we talked, like we talked about, set out your workout clothes. Pick a gym that's on the way home from wherever you work. So you know, so you have fewer obstacles in yep. your way. Okay. And there are several different steps to each one of these. And then the, the, the final one is make it satisfying. So use um, reinforcement. And uh, something that I really related to in this section is he talks about how much easier it is when you get immediate gratification rather than delayed gratification. So for so many good habits we want to build – the gratification is delayed. You think about saving. You don't get any immediate gratification from saving. Nope. You think about um, exercising. You don't see benefits from going to the gym one day. Maybe you have more energy than you would have. Um, you think about a healthy diet. You know, your life isn't going to change the next day. Mm-hmm. So he talks about ways to find um, immediate rewards for completing your habit. So he gives some real creative ideas of how you can track your habits and see yourself building some uh, momentum, and that gives you that immediate gratification. Yeah. One of uh, a, a reward that's immediately coming to my mind is during COVID, I started to run it again. I hadn't really been running for a really long time, had been going to the gym and doing some other things. And uh, an app, the Nike Run app, was my reward because I really loved seeing my times mm-hmm. and also it adds up every mile. So you could see like, Hey, I've run a hundred miles yeah. in the last three months or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was a reward for me. I will admit the reward is, has worn off a good bit. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just not as satisfying to me, although it still is to a degree, mm-hmm. especially as I see the total mileage number getting higher. Yeah. But I, yeah, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. Well, that would be a method of habit tracking because you see that you're, you know, you're getting somewhere as a result of your habit. So, um, so, so how to break bad habits is kind of the inverse of all of those. So the first law, make it invisible. Second law, make it unattractive. Third law, make it difficult. Fourth law, make it unsatisfying. Hmm. So, um, you know, a lot goes into each of those points, but I think there's a lot of, of really good stuff there, practical things um, that can help us as we think through our habits, the, the ones that we want to develop, and then as we think through our bad habits, the ones that we want to break. Yeah, wow. You know, that that's logical. It makes sense. Uh, 
I don't know if you have an example on breaking a bad habit, how those four things would play out, but um, mm-hmm. really helpful bets. Uh, so before we turn the corner onto sort of Christian application, do you have anything else do you want to add? Do you want to give an example? Do you want to um, maybe give some thoughts on why you think this book's resonating? Is it just a restating some real practical wisdom that would work in any time? Do you think it's particularly relevant to our time today? I, I think one thing I really like about this book is that it encourages us to live with intentionality, Hmm. to really put a lot of thought to your life. Um, He talks a lot about reflecting on the choices that you're making and if they align with the kind of person that you want to be. Love that. And I think that in so many ways, so often we're just drifting. Yep. And, you know, we're just, it's the whole tyranny of the urgent. We're doing what comes next. Um, in our day. And, you know, often we have to do that, but, but he talks about how much richer our lives can be when we're actually approaching things with intentionality. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think there's a lot of good stuff in this book. It's not, you know, it's not the sum of everything. Sure. Wonderful. But (laughs) one thing I would say though, is I do think intentionality, while we wouldn't find that word in the Bible, that's a biblical concept. Absolutely. Um, teach us the, to number our days that we us, may get a heart of wisdom. I mean, yeah, the, the whole book of Proverbs, mm-hmm. all throughout the scriptures, um, following the commands of Jesus is easier as you establish habits that uh, are obedient to him. Mm-hmm. So so the, the whole idea of, of not just drifting is absolutely a biblical concept. And I think it's really easy to drift in different areas. I think it's really easy to drift with uh, your unstructured time. Yes. Yeah. So the whole point is find ways to break your habits, you know, where you want to get. Find ways to make small incremental changes, keeping with those four laws that can help you to get there without just saying, starting tomorrow, I'm going to do X for the rest of my life. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, instead it's finding ways to make those habits small and sustainable so you develop them as part of your life moving forward and then you grow into them and you you grow and you layer on top of them. Good, good. Mm-hmm. So so that's some uh, good practical advice for all of us, even mm-hmm. just having the conversation. Yes, you're right. I do, I do want to read the book now. Yeah, um, I'm, really I'm definitely intrigued. What So what are the things, Betsy, that we can affirm from what this book is saying? We're coming at this as Christians. Uh, we're coming at this topic. Um, we, we, we don't want to have a sort of mechanistic view that I am my habits mm-hmm. or I am what I do. We wouldn't, that's not a Christian worldview. Right. Um, my identity is as, as, as a child of God, one who's been united to Christ by faith. So why don't you start out by talking about where the areas where you feel like this resonates well with our faith, mm-hmm. how can we, and how can we apply it? Um, I, I think, yeah, I think in the whole arena of stewarding our time, um, this is very helpful. You know, it really depends on the goals that you're talking about. If you're looking to, like I said, incorporate exercise, if you're looking to quit watching so much TV, you know, if, if you're looking for improvement in these little habits that can take up a lot of time if you're looking to decrease the amount of time you spend on social media. You know, so often we have these time drains that we aren't even necessarily aware of. And um, I I think in that way, these strategies can be really helpful. Um, I, I think, you know, there are some obvious 
pitfalls in that as believers, you know, many of our bad habits, quote unquote, aren't just bad habits, they're, they're sin patterns. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, how do we take this good information that's based on a lot of research about human behavior? So that's all true, but we know we need the help of the Holy Spirit to yeah. make positive changes in our lives. So how does all of that relate? You know, when is something a bad habit and when's it a sin struggle? Sure. I don't know. Well, what a great question. Yeah. And also, you know, just makes me think of we cannot habit form our way into heaven. Mm. Right? That's mm-hmm. that's not the Christian message. Uh, and and to me, to sort of sort of try to baptize this book in a way uh, that that would just compromise it with the faith would sort of be the whole God helps those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. And if we just, uh, you know, sort of put a Christian spin on this, then we can habit form our way into a certain result. Mm-hmm. But right. that's not the approach that we believe. Now, where there's a balance is sanctification, the work of change in our lives is our work and it's also God's work. That's right. So, so there's that challenge, like you said, and, and that's also interesting to think about that question of a habit versus a sin struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, you know, is biting your nails, that's a bad habit. Is it a sin struggle? I mean, I don't think so. But there are a lot of things that we would call bad habits that are probably sin struggles. That are probably root. rooted in a sin struggle. Mm-hmm. One of the, and one of the challenges with the, the life of drifting is you're also not reflecting on why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And we need to reflect. We need to be quiet. We need to wait upon the Lord Mm -hmm. to come to a greater understanding of why we're living the way that we're living. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, um, there was, as, as we prepared this podcast, there was a quote that came to mind. It's by a fellow PCA pastor. Uh, his name is Kyle Keating, and I and I uh, found this quote on Twitter from him. Mm-hmm. And this is what he says. He says, Our culture conceives of our primary identity as individual, internal, and subjective. Mm. Okay? Let me pause the quote for a moment. Um, in other words, my identity is as someone who I'm an individual, it's internal, it's who I think I am, and and it's also subjective in the sense that I get to define it. Then let me go back to this quote, back to the quote. First Peter describes our fundamental identity as corporate, external, and objective. So um, my primary identity is as part of the people of God. Hmm. Of course, I still have an individual identity, but I have a corporate identity. External, it's outside of myself and it's objective. Hmm. Uh, back to the quote, it is God's decisive action that makes us who we are. Hmm. So I, I do think that um, one of the things that Christians need to be aware of is that as helpful as um, this kind of book is, that we don't allow our habits to become a means through which we conceive of our identity and and that we don't just become these people who are the sum of our habits and we look to our habits alone to establish our identity, uh, but rather that we, you know, I could say it like this, habits are a a good servant but a bad master Mm -hmm. because our master and our Lord and the source of our identity is in God. Yeah, I think that's an area where James Clear is a little weak as someone who, you know, doesn't seem to be coming from a Christian perspective, he uses the word identity interchangeably with the kind of person I want to become. And, 
you know, there is maybe what we could say is there's the big I identity mm-hmm. and there's the little I identity because we do, you know, you're a pastor. Sure. I'm, I'm, you know, a former stay at home mom. Now I'm a working mom. You know, we do have these paths that we walk through life and those do give our lives a lot of meaning. So, um, you know, we do think about our habits as shaping the kind of person that we want to become. But ultimately, we know that our identity is rooted in something much deeper than that. It's rooted in something much deeper than what we can accomplish by having good habits. It's rooted in our relationship with the Lord. Yeah. I'll just add this. Our, having good habits uh, certainly can help us fulfill the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And the great command and the and great commandment. Absolutely. To love God with all of yes. our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, and absolutely. then to take the good news of Jesus to all the nations. Uh the, having good habits, I, I I don't think any effective leader or or even just Christian period would would is going to be fruitful without that. Mm-hmm. So so it does play a crucial role in our Christian lives. It does. And it may be that we need some kind of a, a grid to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of, you know, because, hey, look, there's a lot of people like, I want to get there. Help me help me to understand how to get there. That's right. Yep. Yeah, I think another interesting thought that I had reading this book, you know, it's all about productivity and maximizing, you know, your time and, and, and this and that. But I think sometimes the pattern of the Christian life can be slow and it might feel unproductive. I mean, if you are, let's say you get up and and you are going to spend some time with the Lord and you sit in your chair and you want to come into a frame of mind where you're ready to pray, that takes time and it takes quiet and it doesn't feel productive, quote unquote, in a way that has something to do with your to-do list. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have to remember that really important things in the Christian life may not feel like they're productive in yeah. quotes, Yeah. Um, but they're, they're so very important. We, we really, I love what you're saying right now. And we really should try to separate the word habit from being productive mm-hmm. um, because there's a Christian approach to, to uh, habits, which does not use quote unquote productivity mm-hmm. as its uh, gauge. Sure. For for what God is doing through us and in us, and and I think that's just wonderful. What you well, just said and there's there. you know there's a long history of Christian brothers and sisters walking in spiritual disciplines. Um, you know, through yeah. the history of the church, there have been these different things, and those would classify as habits. But again, they're very um, different than you know what what I think is probably thought yeah. of in a book like what, this. What I would say to young Christians in particular. Although I think increasingly in our culture, this is affects every category of person who calls themselves a Christian. But the habit of weekly worship at church on Sunday, uh, particularly in person, if you're able, if you're healthy and you're you're not out of town, to be with your church family. And um, I know it's so basic, and I know I'm a pastor, so it's like, well, of course he has to say it. But but I, I really believe in my heart. It's I, what I would believe regardless of what I did for a career. And and the fact that this habit of coming together in worship, hearing the word, hearing the prayers, uh, partaking of the sacraments and witnessing the sacraments when we, when we see a baptism, I mean, that is just 
the tried and true steady diet of mm-hmm. a believer. Mm-hmm. And uh, are we seeing an erosion in that in our culture today? I think so. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard if you don't have a consistent worship uh, attendance. Is it really a habit of yours? Mm. So there are other things too. That's kind of an immediate thing that comes to my mind. There's a lot of other good habits that Christians should have as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Well, Bets, thanks for sharing uh, about this book. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great book. If you've um, read it, I, I'm sure that you've taken some good things away from it, and um, I hope that I've made you want to read it. Um, and you know, there's a lot of good stuff with the little caveats that we've given. I'm putting you on the spot right now, but do you have a habit that you have thought about adding to your life from this book? I'm totally putting you on the spot right now. That's okay. Um, I, I do actually, I, I would like to, this is really random. I would like to eat salads for lunch. <laughs> oh, I think that's super cool. I know. Okay. You know, we're Good. getting older. Just be a, and yeah, have a health, isn't what it was. Have a healthier lunch. Yeah. So, so it's a great idea. You know, again, I have to think of ways to make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. Remember, those are the four laws of developing a new mm. habit. And I actually think that's pretty easy. You know, you make it obvious by setting out the cutting board and and setting out a knife and making sure that sure. you've gotten the veggies from the grocery store sure. and you know, some and then you want to make it easy by putting it all together in the morning when it's, you know, when you're not too rushed and satisfying. Like if you put on a nice juicy piece of grilled chicken and maybe a little bit of cheese, like that's going to be satisfying. Now, do I, now would I get credit if I ate a Zaxby's salad? Is that... (laughs) That does not it's qual- probably not qualify what you're, as a not, Probably not what you're going for. Hey, I'm going to share about one book I'm reading or yes. I just finished before Please we do. leave. Uh, and, and Bats, I believe you've read this book too, or maybe- I have finished it. Okay, mm-hmm. did you finish it? All right. Yes. We have both read a book called Eat the Buddha, Life and Death in a Tibetan Town mm-hmm. by the- uh, second to none writer Barbara Demick. Oh we my goodness! We are Barbara Demick fans. Barbara. Y'all, she wrote the book that we both loved about North Korea called "Nothing to Envy." Um, anyway, one of the things I'll I'll just say. I mean, we're not going to do a book review on this or anything, but uh, incredible book about what life has been like for Tibetans and uh, living under communist Chinese rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, the suffering of the Tibetan people, learned a whole lot about the Dalai. Da- the Dalai Lama is the reason anybody knows anything about Tibet in yes. America. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'll say is this, um, man, if if you are not grateful for you, the United States of America, are we a perfect country? Goodness, no. But when you hear about what life is like for people in other countries and other areas, it will give you a lot of gratitude for mm-hmm. what we have here mm-hmm. for the freedoms and that we for have. the freedoms that we have mm-hmm. and um, quite a uh, struggle that the Tibetan people have experienced over the last 70 to 80 years mm-hmm. um, and a fascinating yeah. book too. I really would recommend her writing because what her Barbara Demick's approach is to take the, the stories of just normal people who live in Tibet and the same thing she did in North Korea and follow them over several years. And it's just fascinating to hear the stories of normal people. And um, it, it's very educational, very eye-opening. Yeah. And and I hope that uh, there are missionaries going to Tibet. I hope I hope that's uh, part of what uh, the Lord is moving, moving on the hearts of different mm-hmm. people. We know the underground church in China is has exploded, really, mm-hmm. over the last 20 or 30 years. Anything else to add today, Bets? 
Uh, I was just going to say, if y'all don't know, we have a Facebook group. It's called Intersect Podcast. So come and join us there. We post from time to time about what uh, episodes are coming out. And we will post some show notes um, complete with Atomic Habits and the and Eat the Buddha with links to those. Our um, website is www.neprez.com slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to another conversation on Intersect.